Oh, good Monday afternoon. Hope everybody had a wonderful bye week. You Tennessee Titans fans, SEC football fans, welcome to a football fantastic show here. Fantastic bye week because all my all my teams won. So I, I had a fantastic, I Undefeated. drank way too much. Great, great weekend. <laughs> Undefeated. Have to for, watch real football for once this weekend. Uh, Zach Lyons, undefeated over the weekend. Of course, welcome to a football show. My name's Braden Gall. That is Zach, of course, brought to you by Sinkers Beverages and the Kingston Group. Reminder, our Russell ba- Russell's Barrel Pick is available right now uh, over at Sinkers Beverages. Go sign up for the in-crowd. Tell them 440 sent you, and you can have access to go purchase that delicious bottle uh, that Zach Lyons personally helped select for you folks out there. The, 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 the much-evolved... Very particular palette of Zach Lyons. Yep. You don't, you <laughs> got, got a great palette. Like there's nothing that uh, I haven't eaten or drinking that I couldn't tell you what it tastes like. <laughs> that's, that's quite a skill you've got there. Uh, so go to Sinker's Beverages, of course, in East Nashville, the number one liquor store in Nashville in 2022. Uh, so there you go. Uh, Sinker's Beverages serving East Nashville. You can also U- Uber Eats the booze. Just uh, search on Uber Eats, search Sinker's Beverages, and have that booze delivered directly to your house. They drive so you can drink. The Kingston Group, our great partner, and honestly, they've been the partner with this company longer than literally any other partner we've had. Uh, I've done work on my house. My wife and I use them. We use some people that used to work for them. Like if we anything we do around our house, it's basically tied back to the Kingston Group. So buildkg.com. Make sure you check them out. Locally owned, award-winning custom home and remodeling firm. So uh, just talk with them. Uh, you know, have the conversation. We've told you guys about them for years now. There's a reason they are still partnered with us, and we are still partnered with them. It's because they're the best. So go talk with them. That's all you got to do. Uh, today on the show, uh, is Alabama likable? You were talking about your team winning. Is Alabama actually a likable football team now? Uh, how close are the Tennessee Volunteers to being competitive at the, t- the t- highest levels in the SEC? You got a couple of other uh, notes from across the SEC as Missouri is surging into a, ma- a game with Georgia in a couple of weeks. Um, we've got some young players we want to discuss, trying to give you guys something different uh, when, when it comes to the bye week, as we did last week, I think, on the show. Uh, when it comes to the Tennessee Titans, there's a lot of young pieces, and this is coming off of the trade rumors we're going to start with on the show today, and some internet stupidity. But I, I think what's interesting is there are a lot of young pieces that the Titans apparently will not be trading or be fielding calls on, and we were gonna we're gonna try to identify some of those pieces and guys we need to see develop over the course of the second half of the season. So there we go. Uh, yes, D. Good Zach, were you worried in the first half, uh, down twenty to seven at halftime against Tennessee? It just it may it may have been the alcohol, but because uh, I had been like I said, I've been drinking since like eight a.m. Uh, oh, nice, nice. So uh, no, um, it just felt like it kind of looked bad, but it really never felt out of reach. And I think that's just yeah. because Joe Milton is the quarterback for the Tennessee Volunteers. I, ironically, after playing like one of the best halves of his entire career yeah. in, that, in that first half. So we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Again, is Alabama likable? Is Tennessee close? We'll get to some of those questions coming up. Um, but the, the rumors, of course, swirling during the bye week. No no real conversation yet on, on the starting quarterback. I still would be shocked if it's not Will Levis. He's apparently, quote unquote, made progress. Uh, but here's the deal. Kevin Byard, Diana Rossini reporting. Kevin Byard, Tennessee Titans fielding calls on the on the veteran safety. Do a lot of money next year, I believe the nineteen million dollar cap hit. There's a date. I can't. I don't have the date written down. I should have written it down. But there's a date with with which he either needs to be traded by in the offseason or the the money kicks in. So it's all but likely he's gone at the end of the year. So of course you should be fielding calls when you're two and four uh, during the bye week. Nobody interested in Derrick Henry supposedly. 
uh, at least at the price point, maybe that the Titans want. And then, of course, one phone call about Traylon. Not yet. Yeah, there you go. And one phone call. Reminder, the deadline is Halloween. So it's basically coming up next week. And you've got one phone call about Traylon Burks. But it sounds like the Tennessee Titans are not interested in moving young pieces. We'll get to each one of these things. But let's start with Bayard, because I think it's the simplest and easiest piece of analysis, which is take whatever Bye-bye, you Bye-bye, Bayard. <laughs> Take what you can uh, get. Pro- I mean, because I think that he's probably got a good reputation around the league as well, um, even though that he is not living up to that reputation currently. But there are teams like, look at the Detroit Lions. They are in desperate need of some back-end help. They've had injuries. You saw how abused they got by the Baltimore Ravens over the weekend. And let me say this, Bayer is not fixing that. He will get abused by Mark Andrews as well. Shh, shh. Don't tell but- anybody. Well, luckily, the Lions, I think Joe Rexford may be the only Lions fan uh, that may watch the show. Um, like, and then you see the Eagles because the Eagles just love everybody. I mean, they'll they'll take anybody on. Hey, come on over to the Eagles and blah blah blah. Um, I, I think there's just a lot of opportunity with injuries around the league for Bayer to go and fit in and to maybe even help. Let's say that he does go to the Lions. The Lions are relatively a young team with a Mike Vrabel-esque head coach. What yep. better way to not only maybe improve your secondary situation, but improve your environment in the locker room with probably the most natural fit out of all the players in Kevin Byer to bring him over. So that, uh, when all the Lions players went down with injury in the secondary a couple of weeks ago, I was like, Christian Fulton, Kevin Byer, send him to the Lions. That seems like easy fits, easy fixes, easy fits for that team. That is a contending team that could use those players. Now, will those players help? Probably better than what they got right now, but not necessarily because they're, they're playing as shells of their former self. Regardless, I I've, don't want to spark any uh, controversy, but I, I heard someone the other day on the radio say that Christian Fulton is playing just fine and he has not given up on this team. And I think it has to do with a personal relationship with the player not being objective, but that's that's just something I'm going to throw. I'm I'm glad I don't know who you're talking about. Uh, here's what I'll say about Bayard. I think he is more valuable to a team like the Lions than he is even to a team like the Eagles because the Eagles have so much veteran leadership and experience in the postseason. But I do think Bayard's value could come in different forms than actual playmaking on the field, right? I, I think the Lions need somebody who's been in the battles before because they, they are very good. They've got a chance to be very good. And listen, Baltimore... I don't know what the hell they did. Uh, I don't know what the hell Todd Munkin did, but they they d- dissected him yesterday. And it was very impressive. But I, I do think the Lions have a chance to clearly win the division. The other three teams in that division are terrible. Uh, and so I think it's their division to lose. And if you add a, a stabilizing sort of veteran professional presence in the locker room, like, I don't know what that's worth. But if you throw in Fulton, can you get a fourth round for him? Like, let's do it. Like, let's see what you can get. So I, I think you can get a a a modest or very good pick for Kevin Byard. And listen, if you get a third for Kevin Byard, take it no matter what, yep. because guess what you technically the Titans only spent a third on Kevin Byard, right? Like, I don't know. You're kind of getting back what you paid for and you're being able to reset possibly either that position or another position for the next four or five years. Um, and like I said, I don't think he wants to be here. I think the whole, the whole, ordeal around the offseason where he was asked to take a pay cut and he eventually took a pay cut it just soured everything and then like you said it's it's in march is when the deadline is for that four million dollars to kick in so they got plenty of time 
But right now, it seems like interest is high on Kevin Byard. The worst thing the Tennessee Titans can do is decide to sit on their hands, not trade him, and guess what happens? Something similar to Ryan Tannehill, where maybe he gets injured towards the end of the year, or his play continues to decline, and everybody has a chance to see that it's declining, and then guess what? You're still stuck with him. Or you could just cut him, but then you're not getting anything for him. I, I think you are... I. I think you you listen. We're not in like completely give up. We've we've done the trade conversation so many times. So I think everybody understands that we don't feel like you can you can kind of do both. You can kind of still maybe contend for the division and move to Levis. I don't you think can, Kevin Byard is an important piece to your win the win and loss column. The, the the key is just get as much draft capital as possible. Like that's really where we're at here. So um so again, Derrick Henry not really interested around the league. Not really interest from around the league, I should say. Uh, about Derrick Henry I'm not all that surprised by that with with his age and sort of like he has to fit into a very particular scheme and I, I think he's worth more to this team than he's going to be worth to anybody else so you know can can he sell some tickets down the stretch if he's going for some sort of numbers here or there like that you know we talked about that a lot as well the Burks thing is interesting to me because my first instinct almost always with the player of his caliber of talent which I think is still very high is to never ever move on from this and this is hockey this is baseball this is football like i just err on the side of try give your guy time to develop like i always almost always you liked him for a reason you scattered him i get it it wasn't the, the current general manager so i understand the dynamics but I, I almost always err on that side but in the interest of having this conversation for titans fans fully there does have to be a number at some point that that you say okay fine we'll, we'll take a pick and the number I keep landing on is a second round pick anything second or above. And you take it maybe two threes, even, I, I don't know, but I'd like to know where you fall on. I don't think they should do it, but in the interest of full conversation here and, and working through this, where is the line for you with Traylon Burks? It's kind of a weird confliction because we've seen Burks be something and it's only really he hasn't even played a full complement of 16 games yet, like in his career. I mean, I don't, the games he played last year, plus the games he played this year, I don't even, I don't even think they equal up to 16, maybe not even close or now it's 17, I guess. So we haven't even seen like technically a full season's worth of film on Traylon Burks, I guess is what I'm saying. And yeah. I, maybe I, I need to check that before we go. Too I know. I think you're, I, I think you're right. I think it's between, I'm willing to bet you it's 16, 17 or 18, give or take. Because I think he missed yeah, four games. We're looking last year. at he has so. played 14 games. <laughs> yeah, there you go. His entire career. And so um, yeah, I mean, like, you don't you hate to give up on a guy before year three. And the reason that this team is in the mess it's in, because it has let young talent walk. Now, the level of young talent that is uh Traylon Burks. I don't know. I don't know what talent he could be. I mean, he was a first-round pedigree wide receiver by everybody's big board all across America. Uh, every analyst, I would say every team, had a first-round grade on him. They may not have as a blue chip or top 15 or anything like that, but I'm telling you right now that everybody had a first-round grade. I'd be shocked, shocked if a team, maybe there's one stupid-ass team because there always it feels like there is one stupid-ass team. Well, but and it, you and I, at let's the be, end of the let's, day, and let's be accountable. I, well, let's be accountable as well in that. I assume that we both thought, yes, quality first round player. Right? Yeah, I think everybody did. Yeah. Like, I don't think there's one person who thought that that said Traylon Burks not a first round talent. Right. Right. Um. Now 
should he be afforded the opportunity to change the narrative? And does he have a high opportunity to change the narrative? I think when you have that kind of pedigree and that kind of athletic talent, it is there. Right now, his biggest thing is injury. And what did we say about A.J. Brown when he got traded or left? What have we said about other players that have gone on whatever? We said A.J. Brown, well, he never really stays healthy anyway. And then here's the thing. Conklin. Conklin, he never stayed healthy. I mean, he still has. Here's here's where I'm at is that players are allowed to get better in year three, year four, and year five. We see A.J. Brown getting better, and he has stayed healthier. I mean, people are talking about, well, his target share, blah, 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 blah. Listen, he averaged 5.3 targets a game his first year, then 7.6 targets, then 8.1 targets in his last year with uh, Tennessee. 8.5 last year with Philly and 10.7 so far this year with Philly. A lot of that has to do with him just getting better as a pro. And some of that, some of that means you have to be patient with certain players. And I think Traylon Burks is a Traylon Burks to me is a player that needs to be patient with, but he doesn't need a long leash. And I'm with you. You offer me a second for Traylon Burks. I'm taking it. I think the, the wide receivers coming out next year are even better than previous years. And I think that even if you got two thirds, which you could package to do different things, you have to take it. Yeah. But if they kept, I would understand their rationale for keeping them. Like I can be, I could take a step back, be objective and say, Hey, this guy should be allowed with the first round talent to try to rebound. Now it does not mean that you ignore the wide receiver position next year or the year after you have to still build around uh will levis but what's better for will levis having yeah, Traylon yeah. burks or not having Traylon burks and, and that that's that's basically stoney's point here and i think pretty boy lipschitz is in there as well i know a few of you guys logan i see a few of you d good that aren't sort of anti burks i'm not saying you know passionately here but you're sort of hey i'm concerned about the injuries or i'm worried about this i don't think he was overrated i think he's a very very talented player i've also seen it in camp and we've seen it in flashes and moments on on the field but to your point, to, to Stoney's point, Sobro's network there, if you trade Bayard or Henry, you have guys you could roll with at safety and running back. Also two positions that are very easy to find in general relative to the other positions on the field. If you trade Burks, who's in that receiving core to fill out? And then Pretty Boy is talking about sort of the pairing. Like if, if you are moving on to a new quarterback, which is the plan with Will Levis or Malik Willis, whoever you, you think, or an, even a rookie next year, you need at least some options out there. And the other thing is, is... Uh, like with Burks in, in particular, and maybe this is the Nashville Predators inside of me, where it's like the Titans play a different style, and you could see Traylon Burks going on and being more productive in a different offense, just the way A.J. Brown is more productive in a different offense. Like, A.J. Brown would not be putting up those numbers in this offense. <laughs> like, it's just not it's not what would happen. And so... Like I, I see, don't know if I agree with that. If he gets... And he, he showed... They showed a penchant for getting him, giving him the ball. It's what he does when he gets the ball, and when he gets the ball, that's what matters. It's not the team or the scheme. It's what he does when he gets the ball. No, no, I, I'm just saying offensive line, quarterback, scheme, defense, quality. I mean, just everything is better in that situation. I mean, that, there's a reason they played in the Super Bowl. So he he's a he's a he would be a superstar here. I'm not denying that. I'm just saying, like, Bur I could see. Bur Let's go back to Burks. I could see Burks having two seasons of sort of like injury filled, not really productive, but kind of showing flashes, which is what he's kind of done. 
they trade him in the offseason for a third round pick. And then he goes on to play with like a, a Hall of Fame quarterback and he puts up really good numbers. You, you know what I mean? Like I can just th- that's the thing that but happens. Part of that to like, is, is that he stays healthy. And that's why you got to give these guys a chance. Sure. I think you have to give I think you have to give rookies a three or four year window for the most part. I think you can't afford to do that with quarterback because it's so important. And typically those guys don't make the, the yeah. progresses, the progressiveness for that versus a wide receiver are totally different. The learning curves are totally different and the need for them is totally different. So like I said, I could see the rationale either way. If they keep them and turn down a fourth round pick, totally understand it. I would turn down. A, Burks, I would turn down a fourth round pick. Right. Burks is worth more than a fourth round pick, regardless of what pe- the fans think. He goes to. If Burks went to let's let's talk about a team that's kind of like on the Char- cusp. OK, let's Chargers. Let's Yeah, you, you they they pretty much Mike Williams out for the season, I believe. So if you put Burks over with Herbert, don't you think that Burks is probably going to thrive a little bit more? And listen, he may not yes. be an instant impact, but they're going to have the ability for him to grow. Like you have to allow. Yeah, I yeah. get it. You got to stay healthy. The best ability is availability for sure. I agree 100%. But everybody said that about A.J. Brown when they were coping that when he left. And he may never be A.J. Brown. And it, But you have to remember that there is the chance that the, a player like Traylon Burks, who is just their minor injuries, they're not life career ending injuries, <laughs> those eventually could go away. Yes. Yes. They like could. you have um, to allow for you have to allow for young players to get better to to become professionals to some extent. Like sort of form your body into a professional body to some degree. Some yeah. guys are already ready, and some and guys he was, take a little he bit was time, way behind. So. Right? Yeah, he was. We know that he was way behind in that regard. I, I, r- random random observation as I was watching games this weekend and thinking about Burks because of his physical stature. Because I know you and I have had this conversation about size in the NFL at at that position. Burks obviously goes skews one one direction on the size spectrum. We know John Robinson really liked his big sort of burly receivers. And I'm watching Josh Downs. We've talked about him concerns about his size playing pretty well with a questionable offense. You know, Zay flowers is performing pretty well undersized player. You got Devin a chain. Who's who's in a, a magical system. Perfect for his skills. Tyree kill is not very large. Jalen Waddle. Josh not Downs, very big. man. He, he is the king of, for whatever reason, people just forget that he exists. I, I like, guess I've never, he is a busted coverage merchant. Yeah. I have so, never seen so many defenders after he catches a ball, look at each other and be like, you're supposed to be the one that get, got him. The, the hot like, take he's a busted right- coverage merchant. Yeah, the hot take radio thing is like, oh, small players are going to be great now. The NFL is changing. No, I, my take is that there have been a lot of young, smallish players that who are rookies who we sort of discussed, hey, statistically very improbable that they will be successful. Well, we're seeing three or four or five of them do pretty well this year. I'm not saying that it's changing the, the theme or the stats or the data, but it is something to keep an eye on as the NFL goes into space and starts using these guys in more creative and dynamic and in and, and different well, ways. I was also t- we We're talked s- about last week and I talked about it with Stoney in a, in a chat is this new cover to uh, too high safety is allowing less, uh, less of these guys to get crammed up at the line, yep. right? There's a lot of less physical press man coverage up at the line, which is allowing these smaller guys to do something that they could do in college. 
that and that's something that may be a trend for the next few years until the new wave of defense you know yep. shows up and then they're back to man coverage again that's I, again why you listen to a football show brought to you by sinkers beverages in the kingston group is you hopefully get tidbits like that and a subject like that that no one else in this market is talking about no one's talking about the size of receivers on 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 this monday afternoon so uh anyway rate review subscribe give us a subscription there on the youtube page and and check us out on the on the podcast feed as well stacking the inbox.com as well quick plug for you Uh, part of the reason i love that not just because you and you do good writing but i never really know what the headline is going to be ever i never know and it's always something different and always something creative and that's why people should go to stacking the inbox.com and check that out so okay keep an eye on the trade stuff I think that's the most interesting stuff heading into this week outside of who's going to be quarterback, but we're not going to know who's going to be the quarterback probably until 1158. <laughs> well, let me say know. this. It gets three o'clock PM is today's uh, Mike Vrabel's press press conference at 3 PM central standard time uh, on Monday. So I doubt they'll have anything there. I would say that we're t- We're waiting till Friday or Saturday, Sunday, something. There may be that, that X that comes out that says so and so's yeah. taking first team reps uh in pregame warm-ups. And he'll have another one on Tuesday, I think at eleven AM. So depending on when you're listening to this, we'll we'll get you updated up to date on Thursday. But I think you and I are pretty clearly on the Will Levis needs to start train. Because again, all, all we haven't even touched on this, but the reports are that Ryan Tannehill is unlikely to play this weekend. So uh just out there in general, but that was kind of at the end of last week. Uh, after the show. So let's get into the stupid shit, huh? You want to real quick? Uh, Mark, okay. Mark Fox on uh, Facebook says, what's the link to the YouTube cast? I can't stand watching on Facebook. If you follow 440 sports on Twitter, there's a link in there, but it's at 440 sports on Broadway or on uh, YouTube. YouTube. Yep. So go to youtube.com slash four, four, zero sports. Yep. And uh, the Google machine works pretty well too. Just four, 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 zero sports, YouTube, that'll work. So uh, thank you for that, uh, Mark and Zach. I do appreciate it. So let's get to the stupid shit. Um, I, so I, we've done this a lot over the, over the years of like, don't take the bait and the internet is stupid. And remember enragement is what the media wants, not quality content. And so we've kind of done that a lot. I, I just, there's, there's a bunch of different topics I want to kind of bullet point here. And we'll start with, with Mike, the Mike Vrabel thing. Like the appropriate reaction to Mike Vrabel being in New England to be inducted into his own Hall of Fame should be way to go. <laughs> it went like from Ring of Honor to Ring of Horror for ti- some Titans fans. I don't, I don't under, I really truly don't understand. Like, I get that it's the it's, two and four thing, but like, yeah, but it's because I, it, the main contention is because he said, we get a let's get a win today, or we need a win. Let's we go get this win today, or something like that to the Patriots. Like, have you never heard former players or coaches talk in your life? They refer to every team that they're they were a part of as we. And why not end it like that? Like it's you I, you have a captive audience. You're you got to get the crowd hype. Of course, you're gonna say let's go get that win or whatever worded. Yeah, I know he used the did, word we, and that's what threw Titans fan base apparently in a tizzy. Well, like. Jarrell Casey, Delaney Walker, like there's plenty of Titans that went on to play other places for like the last few minutes or whatever that come back and you're like, no, you did a lot of your work here. So like, we're going to celebrate you. And I, 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 so there's lots of things in the, and I, and I want to, I want to ask you. So I, I myself rarely do the dunking sort of trolling, like just I'm in here to just get clicks. Like I, I don't ever do it. I don't like it. It's not my thing. I'm not good at it. Like I'm very self-aware on all this stuff. But like I can't help myself because I, I'd like to think that I hold my own alumni and my own fandom 
and my own teams as accountable as I would hold somebody who's I'm covering, right? Right. And and that is that Greg Schiano is bowl eligible and Jeremy Pruitt is on a show cause. So like, just want to point that out. Couldn't help myself on Saturday night. Rutgers got to bowl eligibility. I even acknowledge that sometimes I don't take my own advice. I don't, you know, I, I, like I waded into the sewers. I chose violence. And I just wanted to point out that the app, the Twitter app on Saturday night, awfully fucking quiet about Greg Schiano coaching Rutgers to a bowl game while Jeremy Pruitt and Philip Fulmer are not employed. I just wanted to point that out and hold my own alumni base accountable for the fact that they were so fucking ridiculously wrong about that entire organizational screw up. And so I maybe I need to apologize and say on occasion, I do like to wade into those sewers, but only, only, only on occasion. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I, I think this whole Mike Vrabel thing is just utterly ridiculous. And and I think it's fine to bring up Greg Shiano, though you have to say, if it wasn't for that ridiculousness that they exhibited with Jeremy uh, yeah. Britt, they probably may have never gotten to Josh Heupel. Like sometimes that That's stuff kind of trickle has a trickle down effect, right? Yeah, no, you're and absolutely right. In a much better spot. And, I, and listen, I like, you know, I thought the whole thing, I'm with you, the whole thing was just utterly it was so enjoyable, but it was laughably stupid because of the quarter or the coach they actually ended up with was just like bald Butch Jones. Um, but might be a compliment. I was never, I was never a Jeremy Pruitt fan. I thought it was great that they, the UT fans hired him. Uh, but this Mike Vrabel thing, like guys, he played eight seasons with the Patriots. Yeah. He won three Super Bowls, and they purposely scheduled this. During the bye week, so it wouldn't interfere with anything. And he they they do it because a lot of people say, Why didn't they do it after the season? They should just wait until after it's because they have a captive audience, right? I mean, like the the people are in the seat, they want people to be they want it to make it feel special, and they have a bunch of Patriots fans at home. It's a rivalry game. Here comes Mike Frabel. Like, well, you gotta relax. And just because he showed emotion in a manufactured speech where you're supposed to show emotion and get hype. Doesn't we've seen post game speeches from him where he's getting everybody hype. We've seen pregame speeches, interactions. Right. We've seen this here at Tennessee Titans. You all saw nothing differently than what you have seen here for the Tennessee Titans. Just everybody's got to bitch and moan and complain about every little thing. And there we got ran up to right to the Sunday deadline and there was nothing for anybody to bitch about in Titans <laughs> fandom. And they had to fucking find this and this had to go and people had to make tweets. People had to get in videos and make car car yeah, yeah. videos and complain. Okay. Okay. Like the little fucking bitches that they are. Yeah, no, I agree. So green thumb says, and I don't care about which host this was, but green thumb says same with the one Oh two five. They spent two hours bashing him nonstop. One reason I predict, I think that this is the more interesting part of this. One reason I predict today that he will not be the Titans head coach come February. And uh, so we have not discussed this and we will have plenty of time to discuss this. I don't think it has anything to do as someone who used to gas bag and bloviate all over that exact airwaves. Mike Vrabel is not making a decision about his future because of some radio hosts on a channel that that is complete nonsense. But is he tired of the current power structure? Is he tired of the organization? Is he tired of the city? I, I got, I'm making shit up here, but I'm just saying there is an yeah. interesting there. Is he tired of fr- frankly, his body language against the Ravens and his body language the previous week against the Colts 
looked like a guy who was tired of beating his head against the wall. So I think there is time to, be fair, to have that conversation in the future. People have been linking the Patriots to being trading for him and have created this. There's this narrative out there that the, the Patriots are going to trade for Mike Vrabel. Well, before Mike Vrabel even hit the podium, they talked about how they've already extended a very lucrative deal to, for Bill Belichick. Yep. It is the the Patriots are in a worse position <laughs> than the Tennessee Titans, in my opinion, because you would have to find a new GM uh, to come in there because they don't. Bill Belichick is the GM, you know, yep. the, the the head decision maker. Now, now they, I could I could see that happening. I could see him transitioning to the role full time to GM, and then and going maybe for he does. But I mean, let's let's get real. I mean, if the Patriots were to trade draft capital for Mike Vrabel, what are they going to do with the roster? No, no, I like I, it I makes think, it makes no sense to me. I, I, think, I, I think you would have a better shot of him landing in Ohio State than you do him at the Patriots is sooner in this in this soon little time frame that we're in. Like I don't green thumb. I'm not saying you're totally wrong or I'm not necessarily agreeing with anything you're saying there. But I, what I'm what I'm getting at is I think there's a thread we could pull on, which is at the end of the season, if things haven't gotten much better, is there an interesting question to be asked? Like, hey, Mike Vrabel in a moment of honesty and privacy, are you kind of ready for a new chapter? And like, I wouldn't be surprised if that's, if his answer was yes to that. So I, we're not there yet. We're a long way off from that. He's he's built a lot of equity in my opinion in this market. So a couple of other bullets. If anybody quick. has a problem with him doing the Patriots thing, yeah. they're yeah. losers, plain yeah. and simple. I There's, I have no respect for anybody. I don't know which radio show did this. And I think it's utterly ridiculous. I don't, don't tell me which radio show it is because I want to be able to still list it. But I think it's utterly ridiculous that, someone, that people spent two hours bashing him for no fucking reason. I, I think presenting the would you trade him for draft picks is a viable radio topic. But again, yeah. we don't do ra we don't do radio. We're doing a podcast where we have a, a long form conversation about details and nuance. Um, OK, so the other quick thing that was all over the Internet, because this is like a, a bullet point list of like Twitter nonsense, basically Internet sh stupidity. One is Titans fans getting pissed off at Mike Vrabel going to celebrate because guess what happens for the Titans when somebody goes into the ring of honor, it happens in the season. You do it during it, a game. Yeah, That's it, what it, you do. I think the problem is that Titans fans haven't seen anybody inducted into the Ring of Honor in a nice ceremony in a while. And maybe sure. that's the issue. Because I was just kind of thinking about it. Like, what are we waiting for for Keith Bullitt? Like, what are yeah, we waiting no, for no, for like someone like Samari Roll and all these guys? Like, yeah. you should have one or two every year because Terrell Suggs got into the Baltimore Ravens Samari, one yesterday. Samari as well. Roll is a Ring of Honor quality like player. Roll. Why not? I mean, Terrell Suggs is what, one of the top five, ten pass rushers in yeah, the history of the NFL. Yeah, I'm not disputing that, but I mean, like, <laughs> listen, the Titans don't have a lot of fucking players to choose I, from, Brady. Valid, valid. No, you're valid. That's right. <laughs> um, so another one of these is the throwbacks, of course, are all over the internet for the last, like, six months or whatever. And, like, it's okay to have whatever opinion you want. Most people think they're awesome, but, like, the internet's, you don't have to be stupid about it. You can just have your own opinion. Logos, uniforms, helmets, everyone sort of has their very... Uh, um, they get people very worked up. Trust me, as someone who used to work on the hamster click wheel on Google, like we could put logos and uniforms and helmets and shit on there and we would get like just absolutely ridiculous traffic numbers. So people have tons of opinions and it's okay to argue. Like to me, that's the purpose of the internet is to argue about like retro uniforms. Like that's that's okay stuff. The, the Vrabel going to the Hall of Fame thing is stupid. I even acknowledge that my own stupidity on the Shiano stuff is pure trolling. I admit that. Um, but the the last one here is, and I want to get your thoughts on this, and that is, I, I, there was a couple of analysts for college football. USC loses again. Caleb Williams plays a, 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 a mediocre game again. 
and there's the conversation is Caleb Williams, should he sit out or not? And I think personally that the question itself and all of our opinions about that, the answer to that question is completely irrelevant and stupid. I think it's irrelevant what Zach Lyons and Braden Gall have to say about what Caleb Williams should do in his life. I think it's stupid. I think it's irrelevant. My take is it's Caleb Williams' life. It's Caleb Williams' career. Caleb Williams can do whatever the fuck Caleb Williams wants to do, and we don't really have any right to say anything else otherwise. If you spend if you spend $50,000 on USC season tickets, maybe you feel like you can say something. But I guarantee yeah. you there's not many of you in Tennessee that have spent that kind of money on USC box suites at the Coliseum. So who cares? Who cares what Caleb Williams decides to do? I want to watch him play. Selfishly, that's what I want. But that's it. That's it. There's no, I have no other right to tell him what he should or shouldn't do in his life. I, I think this whole Caleb Williams thing is is so interesting, not just from the standpoint you're talking about, but you're talking about the guy that was called the next great quarterback prospect, and now he's the he may not even go in the first round. I mean, the amount of people who have now put Caleb Williams into that tier, and there was a almost every draft analyst, yep. every fan. They were all dying, killing each other to crawl over to try to get Caleb Williams' next quarterback, great quarterback prospect. And maybe that is a, a discussion in and of itself, is that maybe we should stop trying to label everybody the next great quarterback prospect. It, but the, he was can't miss. Now, two games, three games in, and he hits a little slump, and everybody's like, nope, we're out. His his pressure grade is really bad this year. I don't know what it was last year, but he's not been well d- done well under pressure this year. I don't know. CJ Stroud didn't do well under pressure either. And he's doing pretty well under pressure this year. I mean, sometimes you land in the right system and in right coaching staff could do wonders. And I think people are overthinking what and who Caleb Williams is and what he can bring to an NFL offense. And I don't want to hear it. Like, okay, you guys, you guys started the roller coaster, then you jumped off the roller coaster while it's still moving. You're not allowed back on. I don't want to see anybody trying in the offseason say, well, you know, he's a, you, here's, Here's the film, and he's a better prospect than Drake May. If you've already said that he's not a better pro- drop, if you've gotten off the Caleb Williams train, you're not allowed back on. That's okay, I, where I'm I, at I guess I, I guess I'm okay with people changing their opinion. Now, what I find interesting about the sit out or sit in or whatever co- conversation is not that like I think any of us have any like I clearly don't think that any of us have any right to like I if I if I tune on if I turn on a a, a podcast or or a radio show and they're like I think he should play I don't care. I think what's interesting is the reaction from the NFL scouts and general managers and coaches based on whatever decision he makes. It doesn't matter what decision he makes or, or any other player for that matter. Sitting out well, of the game. This, the, the, like, I find that decisions and his statements are starting to snowball, and that's not good. Like, don't you think with between wanting pot, wanting to choose his own team, supposedly, wanting stock in that team, and now maybe he sits out? I don't know. Well, that seems like three things that snowball into something that NFL teams don't really want to fool with for the most part. Well, for, I, now, I, would, it, I would agree with you, but I don't think the sitting out thing was anything that he did. I think it's all media people trying to get engagement and conversation going, and that's fine. It, it, I mean, I get why people understand that it's like a, a hot hot button topic. But And again, Green Thumb, I agree. I think Drake May is better. I think we've said that on this show, that I think Drake May is be- the better player. Uh, what I mean is, is I find... I think uh, you're right. Someone, you look at my internet stupidity just real quick before I forget. Yeah. There was someone that called Drake May and they compared Drake May's season this year to Will Levis's season last year and basically called them the same. 
they they might be similar like in stature but like that's about it um <laughs> yeah. what's it what's what i find interesting and i i'll go back to like christian mccaffrey there all these players that sit out bowl games or make like again nick bosa sat out the entire regular season his final year at ohio state he got injured in like week two and he sat out the entire season to rehab an injury he could have come back for like maybe the last week of the regular season where did he get drafted it did not affect his draft stock because he was good enough. And so I think it's more to me, the more thoughtful conversation is like, well, what if he does sit out? What does an NFL scout think of him then? What kind of questions are they asking of him then? That's the more interesting stuff. And to your point, that's why I think the other stuff matters, right? That, that's that's exactly what I'm saying. Like if, if, if I'm having all these conversations with a quarterback prospect who could be a top five pick, uh, there's a lot of other things that I'm asking, and those are the actual meaningful, more interesting topics and conversations. Not whether, uh, you know, Jim Bob 6969 thinks that Caleb Williams is quitting on his team because he didn't play in this bowl game or the month of November or or whatever. So I just think there was a lot of internet stupidity this weekend. I will admit that I was part of it on Saturday night, trying to troll my own alumni base. Um, so I'm putting my hand up, being accounted for. But otherwise, leave Mike Vrabel alone. Leave Caleb Williams alone. And uh, the Titans throwbacks will be pretty cool. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, Sinkers Beverages, Kingston Group, our two great sponsors. Make sure you check them out. Sinkers Beverages in East Nashville, the sister store, Bluegrass Beverages up in Hendersonville. Proud sponsor of football and other F-words. You can catch that this week as well. So make sure you check that out. And, of course, buildkg.com is where you can go if you want to talk to the Kingston Group because you just have to have a conversation with them before you do anything big with your house. All right. So if the Titans are not taking phone calls, on any young players. They don't want to move any young players. I want to know, like, A, who are the names that are just so important to you that you're just not even listening? Who would you maybe listen to some phone calls about? But then most importantly, who are the names that are going to be the guys we're talking about going into camp next year throughout the course of the second half that we think have stepped into roles that make them more important pieces? Untradeable, right? Um, I've got a couple of names, but I want you to go first. Give me the names of guys that you need to see over the final 10 games that teach you, show you, hey, we are starting pieces, building block foundational pieces moving forward. Uh, John Robinson's entire 2022 draft class. I mean, you you need Traylon Burks. You need NPF. You need um, Chica Conquo. You need Kyle Phillips. And Roger McCreary is already doing a pretty good job, but you want to see him do it for a full 17 games because he's pretty good last year in the first half of the year. Then he started dwindling down. Those five players are the most important players, in my opinion, going forward because they have the most questions around them outside of Roger McCreary. I mean, you need, if NPF steps up and he's awesome, at, or let's not say awesome. Let's, let's set a low bar of what is acceptable for NPF. <laughs> if he is average, at your left tackle position, that changes the entire dynamic of this offensive line and the entire dynamic of this offense. If he is just average, that changes everything for this team. It does not preclude you from drafting a left tackle next year, but maybe you don't have to draft a left tackle in the first round. Maybe you can get a Keon Coleman, or maybe you can get a you know Malik Neighbors or someone else. You may you may not be Marvin Harrison Jr., but at least you can not you got to play it smart, right? Yep, yep. And the same goes for Traylon Burks and Chico Conquo and Kyle Phillips. They are so important, as well as NPF, to stepping up because they haven't done shit. 
this this first half. You could I don't care if Mike Vrabel shows them every clip that we've talked about about him in the locker room. He shows them every tweet. I don't care what happens to get them to get off their ass and live up to their expectations, but they got to do it. Because if they don't do it, if those three guys do not step up, it doesn't matter what the offensive line is. It doesn't matter who your quarterback is. It doesn't matter who the running back is or who's on defense. Because that's three important snap count pieces for your team that is not stepping up when they're on the field and eating up considerable snaps, and you have no one to replace them with. And guess what? Your holes are going into 2023 is two or three wide receivers again. And, oh, man, we're going to have to find another tight end somewhere. I mean, Cor- those corner. four guys <laughs> are the guys that have to step up, in my opinion. I, I, and you don't need all four of them, but you at least need 50%. Uh, it's funny. I wrote down four names, and some of it is tied to my personal expectation of their talent, and some of it is tied to the team's desperate need at that position. So I wrote down Roger McCreary first because I think I feel like he actually has the most established of the group so far. I wrote down Burks number two because I think he has the most upside of all of the those names so far. I Chig has just been – I think some of it's the, the product of the situation, you know, with, with the – you know, with the injuries and the O-line and the quarterback situation, but uh, they, they need like corner is going to be such a monumental focus on this team moving forward. Offensive line. We know with MPF, I agree. So those are the four I, I wrote down. Um, I, I have Rashad Weaver written down, but that's because I think he's not going to be the guy, right? Like I think he's not. So I think we're at like a last moment for him. Like you have the rest of the season season to show that you can be like a starting because again, Danico Autry could be traded in the next 10 days. And if he's traded, you need somebody to step in and fill some of those snaps, whether it's in a, a your hand in the dirt or Travis Gibson. outside Travis Gibson. So Rashad Weaver, I think, is in a place where he's like sort of put up or shut up kind of time in his career. And so there's my top tiers with you. I'm, I'm with you on this. It is it is Petit Frere. It is Traylon Burks. It's Roger McCurry, those three, because those three positions are the most important positions on the team moving forward. And you can't I'll, have another draft class with just right. one guy from it. Right. Like, I, I know that's that GM is gone, but that GM's that still hurts the team heading into next year if these players do not start stepping up. And I am, to, to Stoney's point, he goes, I think I'm already ready to give up uh, the ghosts of on Phillips and Oconqua. I'm not ready on Chig. I think Chig has a... Chig in the right place, I think, would do very well, and I just think he he needs to continue to develop. I I am I don't have any expectations for Kyle Phillips. If he if he catches ten passes for this team moving forward, that'll be ten more than I'm than I'm expecting. So I just it's not I that I don't like the it's not that I don't like the guy. I just I, I don't have any expectation for him. So to me, it is you you've got to find out what you've got at corner. You have got to find out if Roger McCurry can play outside. You've got to find out if he can play in this. Like where is he going to be? long-term in your future. I think he's critical. Traylon Burks and MPF are the other two big ones. So I'm with you on that. The next tier down is Rashad Weaver. I think Aaron Brewer has proven. I think he's, I think they've figured out exactly what he is. I think he's the most consistent. I was so surprised when Mike said the same thing because everybody's been down on Aaron Brewer, except for me, I feel like, and I feel like he's the best. I think I think he's proven he can do it. I think Brunskill's proven that he could play right guard. I know he had one bad game, but everybody's like, you know, I hear people all the time talk about the 2019 t- Tennessee Titans. Well, they were getting, uh, they got Nate Davis back and Taylor Lewan back, and there there's no Nate Davis coming back for this team. They don't need a Nate Davis. 
right? I mean, they don't they don't need Brunskill. They have Brunskill no, and yeah, They don't yeah. need a Nate Davis. No, I think I think Brewer to to go from Ben. I think people vastly undervalue Ben Jones. I think yeah, in his and value to the there's team. There's still a drop off, but he's just he's learning. But I don't. But I don't think there's been nearly as big a drop off as as people expected. I think the move to I'd center agree. was. The move to center was, I think, absolutely brilliant. And I think he's exactly, you know, he's tougher than a $2 stake. Like, he fits in with everything. They get him out and move him around. The highlights, when you watch all 22 film, he's the guy who's out there doing the most work. So I think Brewers kind of stabilized that spot. And I want to know who other who are the other Brewers. And it's, it's I want McCreary, I want Burks, I need Chig, and I need MPF, those four. But then it's Elijah Molden. What is your role on this team? Like, you have 10 or 12 games here to prove to people that you could be Hey, we're about to trade Kevin Byard. We can do that because we trust Elijah Molden to play his safety role. Like you, you got to, some of these guys need to do it, prove it and stabilize and, you know, solidify a future contract, solidify a roster spot, stay healthy. So I think Weaver's another big one too. It's like, what, what exactly are you going to be on this team? And I think my guess is, is that he's proven he's sort of just topped out. But like, yeah, I think I think personally he has a lot to prove, but I don't think he's necessary for the Tennessee Titans in in their plans going forward. I don't think he's a necessity. Yeah. I think edge is a necessity, but he'll never be the edge that this Tennessee Titans team needs. They need they need the guy at yes. edge. Yes, Harold Landry's not the guy. Arden Key is a is better than Harold Landry, but he's not the guy. They need. Right. Someone as close to Miles Garrett as you can get, and they have no one on that team. And Rashad Weaver will never be anywhere near the miles garrett tier i am curious what you think of the linebacker position in this conversation in, in the context it's, of it's this like conversation running back, it's like running back to me i mean i think aziz had a really great game against the ravens uh but it's like running back right i mean you can find you have to be willing to find better ones i mean you i mean like you you could say you could find a, a linebacker at any point and, and mike Vrabel could do a lot with less talented linebackers we've seen it in action, but you can also, you also are allowed to do better than Jack Gibby and Dylan Cole and those kinds, Luke Gifford and those kinds of guys, you are allowed to do better than that in free agency. Now I agree. You have the money to do that this year. So, but as far as needing to see a guy step it up, I've seen enough from Aziz to know that at least he's a stabilizing force at linebacker. You're not going to see anybody step. There is no one to step up uh, next yeah, to him. Yeah, yeah that's you can say I... well, Monty Rice would be a guy would be a name, but we know he's not going to step up. There's no one that can step up in that position unless they like signed a free agent that suddenly got cut or something, or maybe uh, someone's included in a Kevin right. Byard deal that's a linebacker. Like there, there is nobody on this team that's going to step up and that you should have to see step up. It's they're going to have. We're going to have to find that guy next year. Yeah, it's funny, like, uh, the thing that kind of rings in my head all the time is by the end of the year, you just have to fill in some blanks on some of these questions. And that's kind of the impetus behind this conversation because I think you want to focus on your pieces that you've brought in, whether draft or free agent or young players. Aziz would be considered a young free agent. I don't think I would call Brunskill maybe a young free agent, but he at least is a, a starting piece. You kind of answered a question. And so that's really what I what I think this is all about is try to find, like, let's 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 imagine – what a 22 looks like week one of next year, how many of those slots are filled. And I think the goal is to try to fill in as many blanks as possible from, from here on out. And McCreary MPF with more answers and questions. Those yeah. not, wins and losses do not matter. Yes. MPF Burks, Chig and, and McCreary to me, because of their talent 
and ability, a little bit of upside and positions of need are the absolutely the ones that I am focused on from here on out. And then there's another tier down, which I think Brewers already answered, but it's like Molden, Weaver, Gibbons, like the feeling you get, not you personally, but fans when they watch Tajay Spears, because it's easy to evaluate running backs. The feeling you get when you watch Tajay Spears is that you have a starting running back. That's the feeling. I want to know who else is going to have that feeling by the end of the year. That's all. Aaron Brewer, I have that feeling. He's the starting center next year. Feel good about it. What What else? What else you got on the team? <laughs> Skaronsky. Yeah, exactly. I think Josh Wiley is someone that you can okay. be allowed to have a little bit of excitement over. Uh, it's nothing like I think that like he's going to be the next Travis Kelsey or George Kittle or something, but I think he's shown that he can play a more considerable role. So I think you can get excited about him. I think you get excited by Roger McCreary. Je- Jeffrey Simmons, your level of excitement can stay the same, I guess. Um, sure. Tier Tart, we don't know what he's going to be if, when you go across. I, I like Sean Murphy bunting. Uh, I mean, okay. like, okay. I, 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 I would keep him around. I'd keep Aziz Al Shair around. Obviously, yep. you're probably tied into a little bit with Amani Hooker, but you're, you're right. There's not a lot of answers to some of these questions, and that's why you need some of these other guys to step up. I mean, I like Brunskill. I think he's perfect. Chris Hubbard's probably not your long-term solution at right tackle, and Agreed. I don't think Simmons is having a bad year. I think he's having a relatively down year, but he's also eating way too many double teams right now, sometimes triple teams. And he's still got one of the highest pressure rates of in the NFL as well. I mean, you, you get you gotta you gotta look at it in context. We we preach about context and nuance all the time on this show. Please quit throwing it out. When there is nobody else but Jeffrey Simmons that the, uh, an offense has to be scared of. They are going to double and triple team him yep. all the time. And he is eating a lot of that and still being productive in, in a lot of this more often than not. He may be having a somewhat down year, but he's not having a bad year. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with that. So uh, Nick Folk also might be established, might have a spot. Again, I don't, I, I don't like I don't like I don't like trusting Nick Folk he's another year into the future. He's very old. <laughs> uh, but again, just Granddaddy this strong is, legs. And what we might do is kind of throughout the course of the season, since the, the whole goal is all these answers and filling in the blanks, we might kind of, as we go through the season, we'll start to put the 22 together and see like, all right, here's the, what we think we've accomplished and here what we here are the holes. And we'll kind of work our way through that um, as well with the big, big game coming up, of course, this weekend uh, against Atlanta, Arthur Smith coming back to town. Who knows? We'll be the quarterback. I think we'll have a long conversation about the quarterback situation coming up on Thursday. And then again, on Monday, I imagine. So uh, make sure you check out that stack in the inbox as well as football and other F words. And uh, so we'll see. We'll see. There's a lot of young players that have opportunity. They have to look at these next two months as opportunity to make yourself a starting NFL football player. And there's plenty of guys. And that the, have the, and the Titans to have to allow them to do it at this yep. point. You have to allow some of these players to play more. You have to see. You have to put Kyle Phillips out there more. You have to get him involved. You have to get Josh Wiley, if he clears concussion protocol, and Chig out there more than one of them and Trevon Wesco. You have to get some of these. You have to get Elijah Molden snaps. You have to find ways to get guys involved. Yep, yep, totally agree. Uh, All right, so there you go. We'll talk a lot more about what we want to see from this team moving forward on Thursday, so make sure you check that out. Uh, 440 Sports YouTube page, uh, Twitter account, and Facebook page as well. Also, you can go to any podcast app out there and get the show in podcast form if you don't catch us live. But we love having you guys in there 
you guys have, have grown over the course of the last year and a half doing the show and, and love talking with you guys. So even when we disagree, uh, we still love having you guys around. Okay, quickly, Alabama, Tennessee. Um, we'll, we'll, we can discuss more SEC stuff later as well. Missouri looks like they're legit. They'll play Georgia coming up in two weeks. Uh, so we can discuss that maybe next week. But Alabama, Tennessee was the big game this weekend. Joe Milton, uh, this is my two major takeaways. My two major takeaways from this game was are, are I, I think Alabama's likable, which is a really, really hard thing to say and a very strange phenomenon to be experiencing inside my own body. I, I want to dive into this guy. I don't, I don't understand why they're suddenly likable. So. And number two, I, I Joe Milton played the best. Remember what we said last week? To win, Tennessee's going to have to be near perfect. They, they were not. They could not run the ball. They couldn't stop the run. Joe Milton had, but Joe Milton had a, a near perfect first half. And what I felt watching that game, if I'm a Tennessee fan, is that, man, if we had a legitimate bona fide starting quarterback, we're pretty damn close. We're not as good as Georgia. We're not as good as Alabama yet, consistently year in and year out. But I, like, they're doing the right things. I, you know, Josh Heupel going for it on fourth down. We can debate some of that stuff. Like the, again, there's a lot like they can... got outplayed and outcoached in the second half, much I like agree. Alabama did last year. And that, that happens there. There are games in college football where sometimes coaches out coach themselves and players cannot play consistently at a, they can't keep themselves high. Like, well, you play at a high level coming in. They it looked like they kind of wasted all their momentum early. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to argue with. You know, you score zero points an entire second half. You can come out and I know the UT mantra uh, after a loss is it's the ref's fault. But <laughs> let me tell you something: zero points an entire second half is not the ref's fault. Uh, that 20... is that is that comes down to coaching and execution. Yeah, giving up twenty, going on a giving up a twenty-seven to nothing run is not is not the refs' fault. Um, so I don't, I'm not even going to spend any time on that. Look, Alabama's the better team. They were at home. They outplayed you in the second half. They ran the football against a defense that normally doesn't allow it. Tennessee could not run the football. They could not convert on a couple of fourth downs, and they were more penalized. Like Alabama was more disciplined in that game, and Tennessee had too many. Like pre-snap is not referee problems. It's, okay, it was the it was the entire entirely different tell of two teams than what it was last year because yeah. i came on this show yeah. last year and i said and listen people are going to blame the refs and you may have one or two bad calls but right alabama got out coached yeah. uh they yeah. they ruined the last few minutes of the chance to win it i thought they had a poor game plan those last that last minute uh leading up to that field goal and um they they, they were undisciplined and really, that's what UT was, undisciplined, except yeah. for their entire game plan and execution stretched an entire half. Yeah, uh, QC, I love the question. The real question, how was it the Titans' fault that the Vols lost, yeah. though? That's the most important question. Um, so I think my, I, if I'm a Tennessee fan, I'm honestly walking away going like, look, they, they played pretty well-ish. They made some mistakes. They got outcoached. But if they have a star quarterback, they are close to competing at the highest level in the FCC. If the rest of it stays the same, if the rest of the, the team yeah. can kind of continue to grow and stay the same – they're missing on they don't have like a star wide receiver with Brew McCoy out. Like there's some things that Tennessee just needs to keep building on, but like they seem there. Now, I that that maybe is spinning it up, maybe, maybe spinning a two touchdown, you know, blow, blowing a halftime lead. Maybe I'm spinning that too positively, but I didn't expect him to win the game. So, uh, you know, and credit to you. You said 30 to 20, basically, and that's exact, almost exactly what it was. That is one team's going to score in the 30s, another team's going to score in the 20s, and that team's going to be Alabama, is going to be in the 30s. So, Sinker's beverages. I did say more than 10 points, by the way. You did. Sinker's beverages, Kingston Group. There we go. Um, 
why why do I think Alabama is likable? Okay, yeah. First first of all, as someone who's covered, I don't Nick like Saban, <laughs> As someone who's covered Nick Saban, I can see how like maybe Alabama fans don't like this as much, but that other people objectively, I'm not suggesting that like LSU fans and Tennessee fans like Alabama, but right. normally Alabama, like Nick Saban, he is on a totally different personality front this year. He has been more jovial. He's been laughing with the media, laughing with fans, answering questions with honesty. He, I mean, give, giving like blatant breakdowns of his team on game day, like laughing after the game, laughing at sideline reports, taking the cigar. Like he's just been a different guy. And I find him to be more enjoyable and more entertaining to, to watch him as an objective observer, not a Tennessee fan or whatever. I get it. If you if you're a Tennessee fan that you hate Nick Saban, I get it. I'm just saying objectively, he has been more entertaining and more likable. I think Jalen Milrow is incredibly likable. I, I think Jalen Milrow is from a skill standpoint, from a watching and play the game standpoint, he's not a great player. And I think part of the part of the flaw, the flaws of this Alabama team is what makes them likable. Like they're not this dominant force that's just going to go out there and beat everybody and crush everybody. They don't have all these superstar dogs that like were five stars. They're like all you know what I mean. Like there's something about the flaws in this team that I find interesting and that, Oh, they're going to get down to Tennessee and then they're going to do something interesting in the second half. Oh, they're going to like, they're going to give up a big long touchdown drive to Ole Miss. And then we're going to see some old school Alabama or like, I just, I don't know. Milrow connects on big plays. I think Jermaine Burton is not particularly likable, <laughs> but, but I find everybody else. I just find the whole, I find the journey to be more interesting that Alabama is not this dominant thing that they can lose almost every weekend and that Jalen Milrow is somehow finding ways to make big plays and win games. And I find, I think he's a really good kid. I think he's a fun kid to watch. That's all. I think that is the way to, to put it is that maybe this team is much more interesting than any other team we've seen the last few years because we are getting more close games. I mean, there, there were times where Alabama was beating people so bad. Lauren would ask, you can watch the Alabama game? Nah, they're probably going to win. Like, now I, I want to tune in, right? Like, and now I have to tune in. It's like appointment viewing because you never, now it, it's like interesting. It feels like real football, yet I always kind of feel like Alabama's going to win. But I, at least I think it's going to be interesting. There, there's, there's something to that, that to me, it's just like, I'm much more interested in a team that may not win the game than the team that's going to blow out the game. Like I yeah, don't yeah, yeah. what the Ravens particularly did to the uh, Detroit lions in an enjoyable game. Now we'll say this, there was a lot of good highlights and a lot of good from Lamar from that game, but I think watching it via red zone was the exact way to watch yeah. that kind of game. If there was a college football red zone, that's how I would have felt like it for Alabama. Like that's the most enjoyable way to watch Alabama is like, the red zone this year they're they're putting together like you said come from behind performances they're winning in different ways and that makes it interesting week to week and and i'm a guy that that has always kind of said that i think that georgia isn't as good as what they are i could see alabama beating georgia but losing lsu like i could see it vice versa <laughs> and i could see them losing to both and i could see them winning both like yeah. it feels like an endless set of possibilities for this alabama team like and and having an elite defense in a year where defense might be making a comeback, Saban's a different personality type. And again, I think objectively, put your fandom aside. Watching Jalen Jalen Milrow's skill set is interesting. 
I, I, he's not an NFL player, but like he is an interesting player. He, the burst out of the pocket. I think Tommy Reese has got to design more quarterback runs for the love of Christ, because you have such a, a fun player with such a unique skill set. Or someone I, has to. No shit. <laughs> and I, Listen, I don't care if it's Tommy Reese or not. Just yeah, someone give some more design runs. But he is, he's like, if you listen to his interviews, he's a, he's an interesting guy. Like he's a likable character. Like he, he's having fun. Like, imagine that. Just have fun playing a game. Like, it's just... And I, I realize that not every Tennessee fan or LSU fan or Ole Miss fan is going to feel any of this stuff. And I and I understand that. But I just... As someone who has dealt with this Saban monster and this Alabama monster for my entire career, this is a far more interesting and likable version of that team. And I, it doesn't matter what they accomplish. I just think they are a more interesting and likable version of Alabama. And... Is that because Georgia's the big dog now? Is that because Tennessee's more relevant and closer? Is that because LSU's scoring a thousand points? Sure. Sure. That's all tied. Is that because Kiffin is six and one at Ole Miss? Like, yeah, it's all tied together to be more interesting to me. And I I don't know. I think Texas fans are very interested in everything Alabama does from here on out. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this to your point about playing Georgia. If if the if the non the non um, the unbiased observer objective observer is watching Georgia Alabama in the SEC championship game. They both one ha, Alabama has one loss, Georgia's undefeated. The loser's not going to make the playoff and the winner does make the playoff. I'm curious who people are rooting for. I because would think they're rooting for Alabama, don't you think? I think it's possible for the first time ever that people might be rooting for Alabama. I'm I'm so ready to watch Missouri versus Georgia. I we'll talk I don't about wanna, that later. I, I don't want to disappoint you. Very, very excited. <laughs> But like to, to five years ago, if I would have told you that the the country would be rooting for Alabama in an SEC championship game, you'd have told me I was fucking crazy. Yeah. And now, oh, yeah, if they, for sure. If they, if they play Georgia, there is a good chance with all the stuff that Georgia's been going through off the field and back to back champs. And now you got this softer Nick Saban with Jalen Milrow. I think there is a chance that people will be like, "Oh yeah, Bama." And I've 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 never thought that in fifteen years. So just want to throw it out there. I like it. That's why you come here. I like it. I was I was not expecting that to be be a topic. Uh, by the way, because I was like I was very confused when you had when you had said that. <laughs> I well, I was also just real quick. Mississippi State versus Arkansas. Oh you know, I saw that score when I was when I was drunk later on, and uh, I was like, that, that can't be right. My ESPN app has to be frozen, right? Like, yeah, there's bad. nothing it's wrong bad. with my ESPN. Well, the Arkansas, is, they've lost six straight, and they fired their offensive coordinator, Danny Nose, who was a new coordinator this year, who was also a former coordinator. Yeah, that was so now he's a two-time former Arkansas offensive coordinator, which is hilarious. Uh, Stoney says, what about Missouri getting revenge against LSU in the SEC championship game? I, I, I would, We'll get to Missouri next week when they play Georgia. Georgia has Florida this weekend. I, I would like to believe that Missouri, a team with very few weaknesses, by the way, what I find interesting about Missouri is that they have no real weaknesses. I don't think they are. Well, I'll just save it. I'll just save it for next week. <laughs> we'll see. But, I'm, but I'm ready. Missouri, Missouri LSU, one of the most entertaining games of the season. That is for sure. Um, all right. Thank you guys for hanging out. Stacking the inbox, F word, sinkers, beverages, Kingston group. You guys know the drill. Um, get to us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. We do appreciate your support. All you guys out there, uh, share the show. Tell somebody about it. Like, hey, you don't want to listen to flaming, stupid hot take radio and ridiculous Twitter garbage. Please come hang out with us. Tell somebody about it. Uh, be an ambassador for the show. We'd really appreciate you guys. Uh, and uh, that's about it. Otherwise, for Zach, I'm Braden. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys on Thursday. Thanks. Thanks.